All right, who's ready for the word this morning? Good. I'm going to get you fired up a little bit today, so I need to kind of warm you up with getting you to respond to me. Who here is ready for the word of God to touch your life this morning? Good. Okay. Uh, we are going into a, a season. I want to proclaim this upon our church and upon your life individually. We've talked about open doors at the beginning of this year. Uh, we talked a lot about the analogy of the caterpillar metamorphosizing into the butterfly, about transition, growth, and obviously going into new opportunities. And as always, praying in preparation for this word today, leading up to this time, the Lord said to me that He wanted me to bring a word to kind of help to catapult that along a little bit. I got the word catapult, and I felt like God wanted to inject uh, a new lease of faith into our lives today. And I'm sensing at the moment there are people that are feeling a bit tired and weary. Now, the good news is, is that not, isn't necessarily a weird thing. As a local church pastor, you learn to... I've been a local church pastor now for five years, and you start to read certain cycles that people go through in life, particularly in the year, year in, year out. And around this time, just after Easter, is a time when people start to feel weary. They start to feel a little bit disappointed. They start to even times get a little bit attacked by the enemy in their thought life. They're feeling a little bit frustrated because maybe things haven't come off that they were hoping for. Who knows that it's easier to have faith uh, just as the New Year's clicks over compared to maybe about a, th- a third of the way through, okay, or a quarter of the way through. And And so I feel like the Lord is wanting this morning to inject fresh faith and really help us to leap into a place of focus and faith and expectation. Um, And so the message is titled, Possessing Your Promise. And I feel that this is not just a word for us individually, and it's not just a word for our leaders. So all of our leaders in this room, if you're a team leader, uh, group leader, I feel there's a particular anointing on here on this word for you as well, in everything that you're doing for your ministry and all everything you're doing in your personal life. But for every single person here, I believe that there is something here for you about momentum. And so I wanted to start this morning with a scripture from Numbers chapter 13, verse 30. And it talks about... Uh, Caleb looking at the promised land, and it says here in verse 30, Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Let me read that one more time. Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. And I feel like the Lord is wanting to put this in your heart today. Prophetically, I'm hearing this. That from right now, from the 26th of April, and it actually I felt like it started more right at the beginning of April, but you bring, I'm bringing the message now. So from right now, the 26th of April, right up until October this year, six months approximately, I hear God saying, this is one of the most crucial times for you to be focused. This is one of the most crucial times to be expectant and to stay. I hear the word stay in faith. Stay in faith. Stay in faith. And I've got a clear vision, and I've used this before, but I feel it's clear. Is like a racehorse, you need to put your blinkers on so you don't get distracted. I feel like in the next six months, God is going to start to do things. He's going to start to position you. He's going to start to position our church. It's a a crucial, significant time. We've got Apostles Greg and Julie over in Florida at the moment at the Intercessory Warfare Conference called Watchmen Assembly. 
And uh, they're giving us some feedback as to the word coming forth at the moment that, again, it's, it's confirming what I'm picking up as well, what other, some of our other leaders are picking up, that this is a significant time. So if you felt weary, if you felt lonely, if you felt isolated, if you felt disappointment, if you felt like you're kind of running out of fuel, wake up to the reality that, you know what, God is not going to leave you. He's with you, but we need to shake that off. Everyone say, shake that off. We need to shake that off because the enemy will try and distract you. He'll try and get you to start to think like maybe this isn't going to come through for you. Maybe there's not going to be breakthrough for you. We've got to shake it off because we've got to stay in position. And that all starts with our mindset and how we relate to the Lord and how we're believing and expecting. And so in this particular scripture, I I feel that where uh, Caleb is actually saying, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. I feel that this is happening corporately. Well, I don't feel, I know, this is happening corporately at the moment. A little bit of an update with our church building. First of all, we were informed that we would have our last Sunday here, the last Sunday of May being the 31st. We're actually giving, getting a week's extension, which is good news. So our very last Sunday will be the 7th of June here. The following day, which is Monday the 8th of June, is the Queen's birthday holiday. And that's the day that myself and some of our team will be here. We'll be packing up these chairs and every single thing that we own, we'll be packing up and shifting it to our new building. In terms of the new building, we put in an offer strategically. It's a building uh, about 10 minutes north from here, uh, kind of in the Springwood, Underwood area. It's very strategically placed right where the gateway and uh, the um, uh, expressway meet. And we put in an offer and it's been verbally accepted. Now, just so you've got to understand, we had a whole week. The prayer intercessory team know for a week and a half, we were in full-on negotiations back and forth. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's a good thing. It's for a lease, and it's for an option to buy the property within three years. Now, that's all a big faith step. This whole thing is a faith step, let me tell you, okay? But when it comes to the negotiation, there was warfare required because there was stuff, there was atmospheres, there were things uh, that uh, were trying to hinder the negotiation. So it's been accepted. Tomorrow, we're in position to sign the contract, but then we've got a couple of things we're still going to break through in. Uh, Not only uh, is the contract going to be signed, but then uh, with a situation like this, we have to get council approval. Now, we've already spoken to the council, and the council has confirmed that where the position is, uh, uh, where the building is positioned and the design of it, 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 it should get approval for uh, to have a, a church and have events like that in the building. Uh, having said that, we still have to put a formal application in and that can take up to three or four weeks to get approved. And so... It's going to come down to the very uh, thin wire of time. Uh, and, uh, but who knows that God likes to sometimes show off like that. Uh, that's how he works because if, uh, if it just kind of all was easy, then we wouldn't really have to rely on God. Then we wouldn't have to get uncomfortable, get on our knees, humble ourselves, pray to him, and then he wouldn't have an opportunity to move. And then it would just all be in our own strength. And then what's the point of it anyway? Because God is a God who wants to uh, be glorified. And the way he gets glorified is when his uh, people have to humble themselves and go, God, I can't do this so step on in and show us how good you are. And so God is already showing us how good he is. But I just want to put this out to you that this word is not just for you individually. It is, but it's for us corporately today. So give yourself permission to be excited and to be expectant. Can I hear an amen to that? And so when we look at Numbers 13.30, it's saying, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. And so What I want to start with today is understanding this, is that God is a God of provision 
And usually when you look at a lot of the promises of God, it's understanding that we receive it by faith. When we look at Christ, Christ says that He gives you everything that you need according to the plans and purposes that He has for you. But we also have to receive it, we have to claim it, and we have to walk it out. Salvation is freely won by us just proclaiming that Jesus is Christ and Lord, but we still have to walk out our salvation, meaning we have to partner with God to enable Him to come into our life, the Word to come into our life, so we have the ability to overcome you know, the temptations of flesh and all those types of things. So it is a partnership, but with God, Jesus says, nothing is impossible. And so I want us to start with this truth, that it's not uh, just God by himself. Uh, Usually he does a lot of the work, but he does require us to be positioned in faith. We have to be saying, God, I know that you can come through for me. God, I know that you can help me. God, if I'm with you, if I'm partnered with you, and if you're with me, nothing can come against me. No weapon can can form against me. No weapon formed against me will prosper. I know that something that seems impossible is possible because you're with me. And so I want us to first get a revelation. We talked about the importance of revelation last Sunday, that you do have promises that are uh, thrown towards you because of your relationship with God, that God wants to draw you in. And so in order for us to be positioning ourselves to possess the promises, we have to first realize what are some of those promises, if not all of them. And so the promises before you, let me uh, throw this challenge out to you. Do you have a desire to know what promises God has for you? So you've got to start there. It's no good really trying to work to possess something if you don't know what it is that you're trying to possess. Does that make sense? I I sense here today that one of the first challenges is that the Lord is oppressing upon some people. Pick up that word and study it and find out what has He promised you. Again, last Sunday we were talking about without a vision, without revelation, people perish. You won't have a tenacity, a motivation. A, a, you won't even have the hunger or desire to tap into the power of God to fuel you to fight to possess your promise if you don't know what the promises are. And as much as it's hard for me to say it is your responsibility, it's your ability to respond to actually hunger and desire, what are the promises of God for you? So let's have a look at these things. The promises of God are powerful and they're amazing when we get a hold of them to grasp them. Romans 10.9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will have eternal life. That's a promise that we are freely given. But sometimes we have to walk it out. Sometimes we have to fight for the continuation of our salvation. In that, as we continue to be repentant and walk with the Lord, there's a fight sometimes. There are things that will try and come you, will come, come against you and kill and destroy the uh, revelation of Jesus in your heart. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So I'm starting here with the promise of salvation. Who has already grasped their hands around the promise of salvation? Who has a promise of salvation in their heart? Good, we should all have our hands up here. Who here? Lift your hand up. Okay, good. Third one, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Who here has a sense of a plan or a purpose for their life, a calling, an anointing? Okay, some of you haven't raised your hands. Can I say this? God wants to reveal these things to you. God has a plan for you. He has a pathway for you. There are certain giftings and callings in your life. Most of you know that, but we've got to get our head around that and get into the presence of God, the Word of God, to get that revelation. 
Otherwise, why would we fight for it if we don't know what it is? Matthew eleven twenty eight twenty nine. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Not I might if I kind of feel like it. I will give you rest. Not I will if you smile at me. I will if you've put deodorant on. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. That's a promise of the Lord to you. Isaiah 40, 29-31. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion, meaning in their own strength, in their own humanity. But, everyone say but. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. They will get victory. They will overcome. Philippians 4.19, And this same God who takes care of me will, will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 37 and 39. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither neither angels or demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Listen to that. Our fears about today, our worries about tomorrow cannot separate us. Demonic attacks... Oppressive spirits, they can't separate us. God is greater. God is more powerful. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky, above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus. Nothing, nothing can separate you. From the love of God. Who knows when you get that in your heart, it gives you power, inspiration, motivation, a bit of get up and go to possess your promise. Psalm 1, verses 1 to 3. God promises to bless my life if I study and do his word. Blessed is the man whose, de- who, whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his word he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Whatever he does prospers. Now, sometimes we're in a season where we hear the Word of God and we believe it in our heart. That's what we're called to do by faith. We've got to receive it and believe it. But then we've got to possess our promise, which means what? We've got to get a grasp of it in our heart, in our spirit, by faith. And then we've got to partner with God to start to walk it out, to see it manifest. Why do we have to have this two-way angle to it? Why is it first receiving it in our heart, grasping a hold of it with a conviction and a faith, saying, God, this is true. With you, nothing is impossible. But then once we've grasped it, we have to walk it out to possess our promise, meaning to actually see us enter in. Because watch this, even though God, nothing, nothing can beat God. Nothing can beat your God. So if you put your trust in the thing that cannot be beaten, you're going to win. But it's the seesaw of the trust and the faith. 
So why is it sometimes that we have to walk it out? Why does it seem like it's so difficult? Why is it a tug of war? Why is it always a, a, a back and a forth? Why is it hard? Because we live in a fallen world where there is an operation of something completely against what God has for you. We call that the devil. We call that the enemy. We call that principalities of darkness. We call it strongholds. We call it the attack. There is a resistance. Everyone say resistance. And I'm always about this. The reason why you have to possess your promise, you have to take it, is because even though Jesus has already won it for you, there's some other things that are kind of occupying it. And you have to use the authority that God's given you and walk in there with God and tell them to get out and then to claim it. Occupy those territories, those areas of your life. And they can be all different types of areas. They can be things in your mind. They can be things in your heart. They can be dreams and plans that you want to see manifest. We're talking about your entire life. God is above and beyond creation. He's always speaking to you. He wants to reveal plans and purposes to you about all different areas of your life. He wants to be glorified in you and through you. And so he's always releasing cues and clues. His heartbeat, the Father, wants to see you do well. He wants to see you move forward. He wants to see you lock out of being stuck in a rut. Can I tell you, if there's ever a thought in your mind or your heart that says, I'm not good enough or God doesn't love me or, or, or God doesn't want me to be blessed. Can I just say that's a big, 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 fat, 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 loud, 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 persuasive, 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 persuasive lie. Problem is we believe it sometimes, don't we? And when we believe it, we give it power to stay there, and we can't enter in. And so first of all, what have I discovered? This is a season to enter in, to take. Take it. And there are lots of promises. I mean, that's just a few. So you've got to get them in your heart. You're going to know what specific. And then sometimes there's particular ones that are relevant for to be a focus for you in that season. You're going to find that out. Ask the Lord. And then entering the promised land. Let's go there. First of all, I want to talk about crossing the Jordan at flood stage. It was a big key or a story in the Bible with Joshua taking the people of God into the promised land, but he crossed over the river Jordan during flood stage. Now, just picture this. At the time, there was actually a drought on most of the year, meaning that the riverbed was actually quite dry. Uh, most of the time, if there was any water in, in, in Jordan, most of the banks were dry, but the middle of it still had a bit, of a, uh, a bit of a water stream there. But it was kind of like, you know, it would come up to your knees. So pretty much most of that season, it would have been easy. Everyone say easy. Oh, everyone say easy. It would have been easy for the people of God to actually cross over. They would just have to wade through some water, maybe for a long time, but they just have to wade through it. So God picked the particular time of the year where it was going to be raining and raining and raining, and raining, so that the river flooded, and flooded, and flooded. He picked that time for them to cross over. Why do you think he did that? Oh, come on, because then we needed him. They needed him to cross over. And so it's interesting to look at this. In Joshua chapter 3, verses 1 to 4, 
Joshua chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and he and all the sons of Israel set out from Shittim and came to the Jordan, and they lodged there before they crossed. Verse 2, at the end of three days, the officers went through the midst of the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God with the Levitical priests carrying it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Let me just finish the verse 4 and then I want to go back to that bit. However, there shall be between you and at a distance of about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. Now, when we talked about open doors at the beginning of this year, I brought that scripture that we have not passed this way before. We're going into new territory. But I feel like God wants to bring this word to kind of let's stir up the engine rooms so we don't lose momentum and continue to enter in. But let's go back to verse 3. It says here, when you see the Ark of the Covenant, what was the Ark of the Covenant? It was a clear symbol in the Old Testament of the presence of the Lord. The Ark of the Covenant, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God with a Levitical priest carrying it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, look at our team. Let's give a big round of applause for our team. Thank you. Let me say this. It's always important to enter the presence of the Lord, but I feel right now it's even more important. That we need to learn to enter the presence of the Lord. I feel that the Lord is saying this. If you're not prepared to enter the presence of the Lord during worship, how can you be ready to enter the promised land, enter the promises of God? Come on now. If you've got a level of timidity or a level of just lethargicness and you're not really wanting to enter into the presence of God during worship, whether that be in your private time or at church corporately, if you're not willing to just enter the presence of God, there's something on the inside of you that's kind of lacking. Maybe it's a revelation because then how would you have the momentum or the tenacity or the encouragement to enter into the promised land? Let me say, this to you right now i want to send this charge into your spirit it's your responsibility to get passionate to worship the lord most of you don't know this but the lord asked me to do this i've asked a couple of our leaders strategically just to swing down to the back over the last two months because i'm always at the front i have no idea what's going on behind me i'm not the type of pastor to do this either how many people have we got here yet I'm not into spying on my congregation behind me. But I do get obedient when the Lord asks me to do something. And so I've asked a couple of leaders just to go back and see how, how are we going as a congregation entering in. And the feedback's been interesting. Good percentage of us not entering in. What do I mean by entering in? As in actually taking the opportunity to really experience the Lord. And I asked the Lord, why is it? And the Lord said, because those that have the revelation have lost it, or those may not even have the revelation, how important it is for their life, for their world, for momentum, for them to come deep into the presence of the Lord and to worship me. They just don't have the revelation. Now, we've done multiple teachings on worship, but I feel just to send this charge out to you, it's your responsibility. Can I say it's a big key to breaking through? It's a big key to entering the promises of the Lord. It's a big key to going to new levels in your life. It's a big key to see answer and prayer that you've got to position yourself in the very presence of the Lord. You've got to enter in. And even as I'm saying this, I'm sensing a little bit of resistance. Because 
It's not how you feel. It's not how your day's gone. It's not how your week's gone. You've got to get revelation that you are designed and created by God to worship Him. And you've got to get passionate, church. You've got to get passionate to worship Him. And can I say this? If there's a certain way that you worship the Lord and you've done it for years, then change it. You know, I've done a whole course around acting. Uh, How do you actually get into a character that's real and believable? And one of the key things is they tap into the science of how human beings are actually designed. Do you know that your mind, your voice, and your body are all interconnected? You can't separate them. So if you're really doing something, then not only is your voice activated or your mind activated, but your whole body is connected. And so when we worship the Lord, doesn't matter if you have an introverted personality, it's your responsibility to get connected to the Lord by entering into worship. Doesn't mean you have to be the most energetic, expressive person, but you have to be connected. There are some people that position themselves in worship, and it's very what I call disengaged. It's not activating their heart and their life and their mind and their voice and their body in that moment in the presence of the Lord. Can I say, if that's not happening for you, you are missing out. Oh, can I say it with passion, church? You are missing out on something. You are missing out. But does that motivate you enough? See, this is the key. Does that motivate you if you miss out on what God has for you? It should. No pastor, no preacher, not even Jesus himself can force you to get passionate. It's your responsibility. And so sometimes we have to position ourselves to find it's a big key. The way we come into worship, God wants to download, He wants to speak, but if we're not entering in, then we're missing out on some key things here. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God with the Levitical priest carrying it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Go after the presence of God. Go after. Am I right, Sharon? Come on now. We had a great conversation the other month, right? Go after the presence of the Lord. Pursue the Lord. Let me say this. How passionate is your time in worship compared to the beginning of the year? Come on, it's really easy to get passionate about worship with God when the new year clicks over. How passionate are you? I'm going to ask everyone to stand right now. I sense to do this. Stand quickly for me, church. Let's just pray. I want everyone praying in here right now. Father, I thank you, Lord, for a stirring of the atmosphere. Lord, I declare, Lord, there be, Lord, even right now, Lord, a stirring of passion in this place. And Father, I thank you, Lord, where people... Even here, if they haven't been investing in their t- in time with you, God, and they're feeling flat right now in this place as a, as a team, as a group, as a community, Lord, we want to start to stir up the spiritual waters on the inside. Lord, we're going to start to stir up the energy batteries, oh God. Lord, we come into a place, Father. Lord, we're going to be persevering and tenacious, and we want to be fighters and warriors, Lord. And so, Father, we declare, Lord, that we are on fire for you. Lord, we are passionate for you. Lord, we thank you, Father. Lord, we're not going to let any circumstances 
circumstance or situation, rule our mind, oh God, and we are people who are passionate to enter in and pursue the presence of the Lord. Lord, we want to experience you. Lord, we want to love you. Lord, we want to worship you. Lord, we want to give you all the praise and all the glory. Lord, we're people that come to exalt you, God, because you are worthy, Lord. And I thank you, Father. Lord, we're going after the presence of God. Lord, we're going after your presence in this season. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. All right, take a seat. Learn to enter the presence of God during all circumstances. Like you would be taking the promised land. If you can enter in to the presence of God, even when you're battling something. If you can enter into the presence of God, even when you're frustrated. If you can enter into the presence of God, even if you're disappointed. Even if you're despondent. Even if you feel like you've got no hope. Even if you feel like you've been self-hating yourself in your thought life for the last 10 days. If you can still enter the presence of God and realize it's not all about you. Stop having a pity party. Get into the presence of the Lord and He will set you free. Pursue the presence of the Lord beyond your circumstances. It will build within you a tenacity and a perseverance because when you actually enter the promised land, when you go to break through into certain promises in your life, there will be enemies, there will be setbacks, there will be things positioned there to trap you, to trip you up. And so it takes that perseverance. It's not all going to go to plan. It won't all be perfect. But because God is with you, then nothing can come against you. And when God is with you, it's not just because He's always with you, but it's because you're positioning yourself and partnering yourself to be with Him in the presence of the Lord where all enemies flee. The key to possessing those promises is in learning how to position yourself to overcome the enemy. And one of the greatest places to learn how to overcome the enemy and to rely on the Lord is in His presence. That's why God had them cross the Jordan River during flood time. They needed His presence. They needed Him there to work a miracle. They needed Him to move. They needed His guidance. They needed His discernment. They needed His direction. They needed His insight. They needed the intimacy of the Lord in order to be able to cross over and enter in. They needed God. And so they had to be positioned with all that they had, not just a little toe in, but everything next to the presence of the Lord. And the command was to pursue it. Not just to skip towards it. Pursue it. That's the key, church. Getting into the presence of the Lord, worshipping passionately. Life can be tough, but this is how we overcome. Now let's have a look at the meaning of the crossing in chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. The meaning of the crossing. We had to cross over. They had to cross over. It was a transition. And it was about occupation. In order to actually occupy something, usually you have to transition. So they had to transition. They did that via the river. One of the biggest keys to preparing your mind and your soul for the next thing is in the presence of the Lord. It helps you to transition. Why? Because when you actually go into something without any real foundational new freshness of intimacy with the Lord, usually fear and intimidation and doubt will actually bombard your mind. It's called a spirit of confusion. And usually it partners with a spirit of rejection. 
And I felt the Lord wanted me to share this today as I was praying. I felt the Lord said that a big key for some people to enter in is they need to go into the presence of the Lord and ask Him to deliver them from a couple of things. Now, for those people who are not really sure what I mean by deliverance, Christians can be sometimes hindered by things. Even though they have Jesus in their heart, they can be hindered by things at times. doesn't mean we have to be weird with that, but there are sometimes things that still hinder people. And I felt the Lord said that, and I've talked about this before, but I feel that this is so key. Because I think maybe at some level people have done it on the surface but haven't really gone there with the Lord. And I hear the Lord saying this, He wants to help to deal with the spirit of rejection. I hear the Lord say there's a spirit of rejection at times that will hinder people from really entering in and entering into the promises of God. But I also heard this, that there has also been a partnership between the spirit of rejection and the spirit of competitiveness. And I hear the Lord say this, that the spirit of rejection when it partners with the spirit of competitiveness, that's what actually breeds toxic pride. When you look at Lucifer, if you break down, why did Lucifer fall? We all know it was pride, but let's unlock. Because pride sometimes, we think, oh, well, pride doesn't really affect me because I'm not necessarily arrogant. We always think that pride always has to be out there and arrogant. Well, it's not necessarily true. Let's unravel pride. When you break pride down, it actually comes down to two heart issues, rejection and competitiveness. Lucifer didn't like, he felt rejected of, by God when he started to try and position himself as equal to God. Because God had to correct him and rebuke him, he didn't like that. He felt rejected. But also there was a competitiveness in him. He wanted to be like God. And why it works together, rejection and, and, and competitiveness, is when you feel rejection... Then if you've got that competitiveness thing going on, and I'm not talking about just general competitiveness, I'm talking about spirit of competitiveness. Because having a bit of competitiveness sometimes can help you in life to actually get ahead. I'm talking about a spirit of competitiveness, something that has a bit of an angle to it that's not of God. What happens is people get rejected and then they start to go into retaliation strategy. I'm going to show them. I'm going to show that person. They're not able to shake it off very well because they feel rejected. It's a deep hurt. And so they start to allow the spirit of competitiveness to start to get them to scheme and strategize. I'm going to show them. And it's called, it manifests into what we call retaliation. It all comes from a spirit of pride. And I hear the Lord say this. There's two things in this transition. And like the people of God in Jordan, when they crossed the water, it was key to get in the presence of God because one, they had to follow the Lord. They had to hear from the Lord and obey Him. Joshua focused the attention of the Israelites on the Ark of the Covenant. This was the visible symbol of the presence of God. Focus on the presence of God was the key. But also, part of that being in the presence of God, it was helped the people to consecrate themselves. That's why it was so pivotal. What do we mean by consecrating? Israelites were directed to get their hearts ready by renewing their understanding of their unique place as the people of God. And so Joshua said, let's move into a state of being ready for the Lord's law. That was his command in that particular transition time. 
And so the command to consecrate, to be ready, to get ready, meant they were to observe special, and this is, I'm not saying we have to do this necessarily, but they had to observe specialty dietary requirements, they had to fast, meaning they had to put their old man off, their flesh, the habitual cycles of their flesh, they had to put that off. They had to abstain from drinking wine at this season. They had to put off celebrations. I felt like the Lord said, not only is there rejection and competitiveness that's leading to sometimes moments of retaliation, but also some people are getting stuck into a rut of where maybe you've had pockets of moments of escaping. For example, I'll confess up, sometimes my escape is ordering a pizza. Now it's okay to order a pizza, but if you order a pizza seven nights a week, who knows that the escape is becoming a bit too much of a stronghold over your life. Now, I'm not saying I haven't been ordering pizza seven days a week. Praise Jesus. My weight is diminishing. Amen. But when the escape becomes, you know, maybe in in end of January, it was just a once. But then in February, it became like a habit. And then come March, it's like every single week. And then come April, even by two o'clock in the afternoon when work's getting a bit frustrating, you're starting to think, I can't wait till it's five, I can't wait till it's five, I can't wait till it's five, because then I get to go home and watch that DVD and eat pizza. You know, when that starts to bombard your mind, it's becoming a problem. So I'm hearing the Lord say, 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 say to us, consecrate yourself in my presence. That's why you have to enter in. That's why you have to linger. That's why you have to actually go there, not just go, Ew, I might just tip my toe in and see if it's a kind of a nice little song. Mm, no, I don't really like that song, so I won't really sing along. I'll just wait to the next song. That's not entering in. See, it's all about you then. Entering in. When you enter, come on, when you enter in, not that everyone has to get on their knees, but when you enter in, and you're there, and you feel the presence of God around you. And you're just loving on the Lord, and He's loving on you. You start to consecrate yourself to the Lord. He's able to start to really penetrate those places of your heart that have been a little bit distant from Him. He's able with the sweetness of His love to gently whisper and say, Hey, you know what? It's time, Brad. You don't need so much pizza. He's able to intimately in those moments speak those little guiding and you can sense that it's the Lord and it's coming from love, which right then helps you and empowers you to want to obey because it came at such a deep, intimate moment and it's just between you and the Lord. No one else knows about it. But you can't have those moments if you don't enter in to the presence of the Lord. And can I tell you, your soul needs those moments. One Peter two nine talks about consecration. It is clear that our holiness is not earned or merited or any self created; is the work of God in us. And yet, we are always called to make the choice to be God's own, to live in awareness. Awareness, awareness of his presence and to avoid unworthy actions that would diminish his reputation or offend him. Again, let's have balance. It's not about you becoming perfect as a Christian, but Christ in you and around you is doing the work to perfect you. You've got to get in position.
And like the blinkers, I feel like that's a part of consecration. Father, I pray right now, if there's been any distractions that have been assignments in people's lives. Father, I pray if there's been any spirit of rejection that's made people stay or swim in their hurt. Lord, I pray if there's a spirit of competitiveness that's causing people to compare themselves against their brothers and sisters in Christ rather than actually focusing more on you, Jesus. I pray, Lord, for a shift in that area. Lord, I pray, Father, if there's been escape issues where we've been putting too much time into the things just to escape the worries or fears or frustrations or tiredness and not enough time consecrating ourselves to you. Father, I pray right now, Lord, in this anointing, in this atmosphere, Lord, bring a shift in those areas. Lord, I thank you, Lord. Lord, I just take authority of those atmospheres in the name of Jesus. And I declare anything that I just prayed, anything at all that's been hovering or impeding people's lives, I speak to that atmosphere. I speak to those things. And the authority in the name of Jesus, I command those things to shift and to break off people's lives in Jesus' name. Let's give God a clap offering. Can I just get a time check? Thank you. And so now I want to talk about some keys around entering in. We talked about getting into the presence of God, understanding the promises of God, understanding the times and seasons, understanding that it's important to consecrate ourselves. But let's have a look here. Matthew 19, 26, Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. When we look at... Back in the Old Testament example with a people crossing over with their leader Joshua in the presence of God. We look at some keys of what happened and helped them to not only just cross over, but to actually possess the land. Now this is key. There's two steps here. You've got to cross over, which means you've got to transition out of the old into the new, which is all about the heart stuff and getting connected with God. We've just talked about that. That's the transition. Once you start to transition, though, and you start to actually position yourself spiritually, then you've actually now got to possess, meaning that God's prepared you to now occupy areas, but you will have to come up against resistance and things that will not like the idea that you've now decided to move in to that area of your life and take ground. And so I want to look at some keys. The first one is beseeching. An interesting word, beseeching. Everyone say, beseeching. Everyone say it again, beseeching. There is, beseeching means to have a determined prayer or prayer life that will bring God's blessing. And when we say bring God's blessing, I don't just mean money in your bank account. Does everyone know at Forever Church, we know that blessing is not just money. Sometimes it can be that, but it's your whole life holistically being fruitful. Amen? Balanced teaching. But beseeching is beseeching the Lord. Being absolutely tenacious with your prayer and really knocking on the heart of God and knocking on the door and saying, God, I beseech you. I want to see this breakthrough. Our prayers must be such. Another word that's interesting is called importunate, which comes from the word important. Importunate, which actually means Urgent or persistent in solicitation, sometimes annoyingly. 
So, so persistent that it gets the attention of the person we're trying to reach out to. Desperate petitions. Do you know that the Lord loves it when you get desperate? Did you know that? He likes to see you really going after him in prayer. He loves it. And sometimes he's waiting for you to get out of your comfort zone. Beseech the Lord. God looks at our hearts and when we pray and seek his blessing with our whole heart, he will respond to our cry and shower us with breakthrough. Beseeching the Lord. Let's have a look at some scriptural references here. Genesis 32, 26. Can I tell you, I'm standing here before you and this is so true. Keys my breakthrough in my life is I've beseeched the Lord. I have humbled myself. I've had to humble myself, get on my knees and go, God, 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 I love you. I worship you. And God, I'm knocking at that door and I'm knocking. And I'm going to keep knocking until it opens. Genesis 32, 26. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. And when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. His name was changed from Jacob, which meant deceiver, the flesh, our little own ways, how we're trying to get around God and how we can try to make it happen in our own strength. And To Israel. What was the land that Joshua was trying to take the people into, the promised land, and what did that eventually come? Interesting. Beseeching. He wrestled with him. Father, I pray for a charge in people's hearts that they would get a tenacious spirit on the inside to, to, to wrestle with you, to pray, Father, and to get in that place to beseech you. Isaiah 62, 67 says, I have posted watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They will never be silent day or night. You who call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest and give him no rest till he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. Praying consistently. Who knows that you can't pray consistently if you've not been spending any time with the Lord to fuel you up? Who knows that your flesh goes like this to the idea of praying consistently? <laughs> Come on now. Oh, come on. If you're sitting here kind of towards this point, beseeching the Lord, <coughs> keep praying, praying and praying and praying. <coughs> Usually if that's how you're reacting, it's probably because your flesh right now is stronger than your spirit. The idea of that just... Uh, that's why you've got to concentrate yourself and get in the presence of the Lord. Otherwise... You're not going to be getting into real tenacious prayer. Does that make sense? You've got to consecrate yourself in order to be able to do all these things to possess. You can't pray with tenacity if you're not filled with the power of God. You can't do it in your own strength. You can't. Now, most of you know that, but who knows that there's a constant war between the flesh and the spirit. Which one have you been feeding the most? Usually just after Easter, 
there's a cycle. The reason why we're tired and weary and frustrated is because the flesh tends to be a little bit louder. Ezekiel 36, 33 to 38. This is what the sovereign law says. On the day I cleanse you from all your sins, I will resettle your towns and the ruins will be rebuilt. The desolate land will be cultivated instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass through it. They will say this land that was laid waste has become like the Garden of Eden. The cities that were lying in ruins, desolate and destroyed are now fortified and inhabited. Praying. The promise of God. Apostles Greg and Julie always talk about take responsibility with your prophetic word. Pray it out. Decree it out. I mean, my two favorite words is declare and decree. Why? Because they're such great, powerful kingdom words. When Jesus prayed healing, he didn't pray for people. He declared and decreed healing into people. He declared and decreed demons out of people. He declared and decreed Lazarus come forth. Rise up. He knew he had power in his mouth to establish things. He had authority. He was the king of kings. You have the same capability within you, in Christ, in the spirit. Luke 18, 7, 8. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice. And that word justice in Luke, when you look at it in the Greek, it's similar to the word breakthrough. And quickly, let's talk about now moving on from beseeching to forcing. Everyone say forcing. The Bible teaches that the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. And in the Old Testament, when the people of Israel reached the promised land, they found that it was occupied by the enemy. They had to drive out the enemy by force before they could enjoy the promised land. The devil occupies some of our promises, and we have to drive him out. We wonder why we're not enjoying the promises of God given to us at times, because we have to possess the promise. Who's catching that we might need to fight for some things? Come on now, who's catching that? Good. In Matthew eleven twelve, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force, forcing. You got to fight. You got to get in there. You got to pray. You got to believe. You got to keep speaking it out. You got to put things into practice as well. You got to call out to God, cry out to God. And all of this is fruitful. I just want to send a charge into our church right now. Father, I pray for a spirit of warfare, Lord, to be activated in a new way right now. Lord, I pray for warring angels to be released in the atmosphere over our entire community and over our individual families. Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I command a release of those warfare angels right now, Lord, to help to intercede and to pray with a battle uh, understanding and a battle strategy, Father, against the principalities of powers that would try to hinder families and hinder circumstances, and hinder breakthrough over people's lives. In Jesus' name, I pray. And everyone said, Amen. Now, understanding that getting more authority in your own identity in Christ, everyone is called to pray like that. I hear the Lord saying this. Sacrifice time on social media and pray. 
wrestling. Apostle Paul says that we wrestle against spiritual forces of evil. There is an intense spiritual warfare going on in the heavenlies that affect our lives. Now, if you know me personally, you know that I love balance. It's one of my favorite words in bringing teaching about the kingdom and the things of God. And so I believe that good understanding about the spiritual gifts is that we use the spiritual gifts to love, to exhort, to build up the church, but we also use them to defend the church and we also use them to attack the enemy. Can I say this to you? Be mindful in this season right now that you have balance. Be mindful like Nehemiah, who was commissioned to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, to take again possession of the territory that God had ordained for his people. He had a strategy that was balanced. Everyone say balanced. He had part of his team that were on the defensive. And he had part of his team that were on the offensive. Be mindful in your own personality and your wiring. Sometimes you'll have a bent that's more interested in the things of the kingdom one way than the other. Some of you will be more excited and passionate about the offensive things to do with God. Loving people, nurturing people, healing people, the love of God, the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, all of those things. Pastoral focus. Which is all good. We need all of that. And also you'll be very much into the local church and, and, and seeing the church grow and building the church. There are other people who have more of a bent about coming against the enemy and making sure the enemy doesn't occupy buildings, amen, in this community as opposed to godly people. But just be careful that we're not more passionate about not seeing them occupy than actually seeing the church occupy. Come on now. Oh, come on now. That's a challenge here. Let's make sure that our passion and our focus is balanced. Because if we're too focused on all this and we're not actually discerning that there's something going on here, right, then something can come in sideways and have a go at you individually. But if we're all focused about this, then we're going to get what we call battle weary and nothing's actually going to get established. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And that principle is not just corporately for a church, but it's for your own family and your own life. Balance is the key. Wrestling. And so in Ephesians 6, 10 to 18, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on. We had a whole thing about being battle ready, and that was strategic. I asked him to preach that in preparation for this word today. Being battle ready, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God in this season so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I hear the Lord saying this, you have the authority to fight. But do you have the desire? If you don't have the desire, it's usually because there's a lack of vision. There's a lack of reason. There's a lack of understanding of what God has for you. Let me be very, very clear with you. If you're not kind of really keen to fight, it's because you're not really sure what you're fighting for. Next one is resisting. The Bible says resist the devil and he will flee from you. The devil constantly attacks. And so we've got to learn how to resist him. And he does it in many ways. In James 4, 7, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. 
Now, what I love about that, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Can I just say this in James 4, 7? I look, I look at that and I also say in wisdom, submit yourselves to a mentor who can keep you accountable. Because sometimes we say, I'm going to sit my, submit myself to the Lord. But sometimes then we fall into the temptation because we're not really being committed to that. And so a good thing is to get someone around about you who loves you, who you can keep accountable to in a healthy way. Can I say this? Do not cast your pearl before swine. Do not wear your dirty laundry out there and tell everyone about everything that's going on in your life, particularly on social media. Don't do it. It's called a lack of wisdom. Oh, but I'm just trying to be open and I think it's important for me to be vulnerable. Great. In the privacy of having a one-on-one with your mentor, do that. Resisting. 1 Peter 5, 8, 9. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Resist. Resist, build, fight, build, defend, build. Next one is pressing. Everyone say pressing. The Apostle Paul says, I press toward the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. And so the secret of possessing your promise is to press toward the goal that God has given us. People who just live aimlessly can't really achieve anything or break through into anything. Can I just tell you, this is one of the big key ones because this is the balance. You can be fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting, but are you still pressing forward? I just feel here to pray. Father, I pray, Lord, that persistent, persevering spirit, that death-defying, curse-conquering spirit, Lord, that spirit that rose you from the dead, Lord, that atmosphere, Lord, that tenacity, Lord, that ongoing, enduring power, Lord, even that fragment of eternity, Lord, that you birthed within people, Lord, when I gave your heart to you, Lord, I thank you, Father, Lord, that you would start to accelerate, Lord, and activate, Lord, a spirit of perseverance, Lord, that we're pressing forward, we are pressing forward, we are pressing forward, Lord, we're people of momentum, Father, Lord, I pray for the shackles and the hindrances and the atmospheres, Lord, that have been holding people back. Lord, I pray against, Lord, the mindsets and the areas that people haven't been aligned to the Word of God and the headspace that's been cursing and locking down their identity. Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I come against these things right now. Father, I pray, Father, Lord, for a breaking off of those things in the name of Jesus. Now, if you're new to Forever Church, you're probably wondering, do I always preach like this? The answer is no. This is a particular type of what we call impartation preaching message. I feel like the Lord is willing to do something here atmospherically, not just bring a teaching or knowledge, but to actually bring an impartation. And that's why there's more of what we call the hammer effect with what God's wanting to do. Pressing. Pressing. Philippians 3, 12, 14. Now that I have already obtained all this, or have already, not that I've already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on. I press on. I press on. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, forgetting what is behind, forgetting what is behind, and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Keep going! Did I say that loudly enough? Keep going. 
keep going, keep going, keep going. If there's one thing that I've heard God say to me many times in many seasons, it's Brad, get up and keep going. Keep going, 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 keep going. The enemy peels away the people who stop and who give up. It's not about being perfect. It's about getting up and keep going. Keep going. Keep pursuing Jesus. Keep praying. Keep reading the word. Keep coming to church. Keep growing. Keep getting around people who are encouraging you in Christ. Can I tell you, it's a big key. Just keep going. There's been times in my life where I felt like the enemy has knocked me for six. There's been times when I feel like he's knocked the wind out of me. There's been times when I've been so disappointed. I've been so hurt. There's been times when I felt betrayed. There's been lots of instances where I felt like, you know what, I want to give up. And yet in that moment, God said, Brad, I love you. I am with you. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. Now, get up and keep going. Just keep going. That's a key to possessing a promise. Pressing forward. Second last one, sowing. The principle of sowing and reaping is fundamental in the kingdom of God. Now, again, I'm not just talking about money. Does it include money? Yes. Are we just talking about money? No. I'm also going to talk about this too because I feel like it's important corporately for the church where we're going. For those of you who don't know, as a non-profit organization or as a church, you have the option legally to choose different levels of auditing. Forever Church, we have chosen the most strict level of auditing through our CI board. For those people who also don't know this, all tithes and offerings or any finances that are raised in our local church, Pastor Sarah and I, we do not, let me underline that word, two words, do not, we do not have access to those bank accounts. They are overseen and managed by the CI board. Meaning, if Sarah and I need to purchase something for the church, we can't just go into an account that we have passwords for and just use that money. Who thinks that that's a good idea? It's called accountability. We actually have to let someone know on the board know what we're going to do. We usually pay for it in our own money, and then we have to provide receipts, and then it will get reimbursed. And some of our other team departments do the same thing. The reason why we do that is because we want to stay above reproach, because we know that God's called us to that. Okay? So I just want to send that forward to you in case there's anyone here, and I know in my heart there's been some people that have been battling that, and now you know that as a culture, as a church, we are completely above reproach. Can I hear an amen to that? So as a foundation to sowing, the principles of sowing and reaping is fundamental. I'm just going to ask everyone here that's going to be water baptized, if you could now go and get changed, please. Preparation, we're going to transition straight in. That'd be great. Everyone that's going to be water baptized, if you can go and get changed in your board shorts, your t-shirts, and have your towel ready. Amen. The principle of sowing and reaping is fundamental to the kingdom of God. Whatever we sow, we will reap. If we do not sow, we will not reap. Whatever we want to receive in our life, we must first sow them. If we want love, kindness, and favor, we must sow those qualities in the lives of others around us. Galatians 6, 7, 9. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. 
What a, whoever sows to please the flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing God. Let us not become weary in doing good. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Again, in doing good, it's not just finances. It's time. It's words of encouragement. All these different ways in which we can sow into people's lives and love people and do the work of the kingdom. And so I believe also that this is an important time. Discern and understand. If you're feeling weary, if you're feeling tired, then it's crucial for you to come into the presence of the Lord and lay that before Him so that He can take those burdens off you and He can bring in a fresh energy. Last one is laboring. Everyone say laboring. I'm going to ask someone in the music team just to come as we finish. The Apostle Paul says, I labored more abundantly than they all. Labor and hard work is indispensable to breakthrough and to entering your promises. Remember, it's not just, I give my heart to Jesus, now God, can you just make it happen for me? It's, I give my heart to Jesus, and now I partner with God. And with God, notice it's not just God by himself, nothing is impossible. Underline the word with. Everyone say with. With God, nothing is impossible. So I partner with God. When I step out by faith and I partner with God, nothing is possible, which means there is something of me that I have to bring to the table. Hard work is good for you. Labor and hard work is indispensable to break through. Jesus worked so hard in the ministry that many times they did not even have time to eat. People who will not work hard cannot expect breakthrough in their lives. Why? Because God, all through the book of Proverbs, which was written by King Solomon, who is known to ask above all things wisdom. And so he wrote out of that revelation of wisdom and everything that God imparted to him. Proverbs is all about the sluggard versus the wise man, the lazy versus the wise man. Notice that in Proverbs, it doesn't say the sluggard versus the hardworking person or the lazy versus the hardworking person. It says the sluggard or the lazy versus the wise man, meaning that wisdom, a sign of wisdom is that you are hardworking, is that you have a work ethic. Because you know that another principle undergirding that is that if you are faithful with the little thing, then God will multiply it and give you more. If you take your gift, if you take your anointing, if you take your calling, if you take your strength, if you take your time, if you take whatever God gives you and you sow it and you use it, for the plans and purposes that He's called you to, and you're faithful with a little, then well, God will give you more. If you're faithful with taking a step into a territory and occupying it and getting rid of all the things that are trying to hold you back and taking ground and saying, this is mine and I'm here and I'm an ambassador of Christ, and you're faithful that season or faithful that moment, well, then God will say, well done, good and faithful servant, and now here is more. Let me open this up to you more and ask everyone to stand. Father, I pray right now for just a release Lord, of that understanding and that revelation, Lord, that in this season we are called to possess our promise. And I thank you, Lord, from this day, April 26, through to the end of October, Lord, for that six, seven-month period. Father, I pray that you release a strategy and you release a charge right now. If I ask you just to lift your hands, just to receive something of the Lord here. 
Father, I thank you, Lord, for a double portion of your anointing. And I thank you, Lord, for your equipping right now. And I thank you, Lord, that you bring a refreshing word and season right now. Lord, and I thank you, Father, for every person here that we are called to take ground. We are called to take territory. We are called to move forward. We are called right now in this season, Lord, to actually say to the enemy and say to the devil who are occupying the areas to flee right now. We are coming in. We're occupying this place. We're occupying this season. We are moving forward. And with God, nothing is impossible. In the name of Jesus, I command, Lord, a shift in this place. Lord, I pray for a shift of faith. Lord, I pray for a leap of faith in the heartbeat and spirit of everyone here right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Let's just give God a clap of in this place. Let's just worship Him in this place. Thank you, Lord. Awesome, God. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Awesome. Father, just let the wind of the Holy Spirit blow in this place. Lord, let your anointing be present. Lord, we pursue your presence in this hour. Jesus, we call on your name. Jesus, we need you. Jesus, we love you. You are our mighty shepherd, our guide. Lord, it's you that we look to. Lord, it's you that we seek. Jesus, you are perfect. Jesus, you cannot lie and you never sinned. You're our mighty example. Lord, we follow after you, Jesus. We follow after you, amazing God, glorified God, victorious God, amazing, beautiful warrior, kingdom inheritor, the amazing God called Jesus. We just love you, Lord. And we exalt you in this place in our hearts. And we put you first. And God, we are expectant. And God, we are excited for this six, seven month strategic time. We're going to enter in to your presence and we're going to possess new territory in our lives. In your mighty name, Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Awesome. You can go and give me another clap. I think it's worthy.